Hello everyone. I hope that you are well today. I want to share with you a bit about mountains. It was a very sad day in our house about 14 months ago and we finally had to realise that our mountain climbing days were over. Andy and I have climbed mountains from before we knew each other as children and teenagers and then together ever since we first met. The thrill and sometimes fear of the climb and then the fear with thrill of the descent of mountains like Snowdon in Wales, the High Street in the Lake District and once the Quirang on the Isle of Skye in what we later discovered on that occasion were 90 mile an hour gusts of wind will forever be etched in our minds. There are fabulous memories too of incredible views through sun and rain and sleet and snow and mist and fog and many desperate prayers for a clear path but all alongside a constant deep sense of God walking with us as we've put the world to rights in our conversation, been amazed at the beauty of mountain flowers and streams, walked through waist-high snow, well, walked is perhaps an exaggeration to be fair, seen sea eagles flying below us in a valley, enjoyed the sheer magnificence of creation, and then there were the couple of occasions where we have had to come off a mountain in the dark with very little light to help and the complete loss of the path through erosion. Perhaps the least said about those two, the better. Mountains remain special places for us and it's hard to think that we now have to limit the heights we can physically climb. We've been relegated to the hills. But mountains have many special moments in scripture too. And today in our readings, we read about one of the most well-known alongside brief mentions of two other mountaintop experiences. Jesus takes his three closest friends for a mountain climb. I've often wondered how those fishermen coped. Were they used to climbing or did they need to keep resting to catch their breath? Sailing and climbing are very different experiences. But they get to the top, they're all alone, and then, verse 2, there he was transfigured before them. It's a strange phrase to our ears. What on earth does it mean? Let's take a step back to see if we can work it out. So far in the Gospel, Jesus has led his disciples, metaphorically speaking, up high mountains to get a new view of God's kingdom. Their eyes have been opened to all sorts of new experiences that others just don't see in the same way. In all those amazing and extraordinary occasions of healing and feeding, of walking on water and raising a dead girl, of stories with meanings way beyond the obvious. The disciples are discovering the deep reality of God's kingdom and are recognising the amazing truth that although Jesus is not what they were led to expect, he really is the Messiah. The ongoing story of the gospel is really saying, take off the veil, open your eyes, what do you really see? Of course, we know that the high priests and the temple leaders were the ones with the thickest veils, so to speak. They tied themselves up in knots trying to keep the law as they saw it and making everyone else do the same. They were looking for the Messiah in all the wrong places, if they were even looking at all, as they seemingly enjoyed the power they wielded. So as Peter, James and John catch their breath at the top of the mountain, they see clearly no metaphorical veils of any sort. They catch a glimpse of the real Jesus. His ordinariness normally veils who he really is, but not in this moment for them. Transfigured means his appearance changed. He became radiant somehow. Even his clothes become dazzling. 
It was as if Jesus was so caught up in the complete love and power of God in that moment that he was transformed in the same way that music can transform words as they're sung, perhaps. And then the disciples also see two others who have had their own mountaintop experiences in the past, Elijah and Moses. I've often wondered how the disciples knew who these two men were. My instinct suggests that the conversation they were sharing with Jesus would have revealed it. Moses met face to face with God on mountains with earthquakes and wind and fire, and it is written that his face was often shining when he had done so. Even on the day he died, he climbed Mount Nebo so the Lord could show him the promised land he would never enter. Find that in Deuteronomy 34. Elijah too met with God on a mountain, but not in the earthquake, the wind or the fire, but in a gentle whisper. Find that in 1 Kings 19, as he comes to God when he's at the very end of himself. Read the story to find out some more. But this encounter that we're thinking of today seems to to bring together the past, the law and the prophets, and the future, Jesus, right into the present. And Peter, in particular, is beside himself. Ever the activist, he needs to do something. Let's put up three shelters, comes tumbling out of his mouth from fear. It's almost as if he wants to freeze the situation. It is amazing, and he doesn't want it to end. How many times have you felt like that? I don't want this to end. Perhaps a view you can see, an amazing piece of music, a lovely meal with a friend. But these things do end. We cannot make time stand still. It always moves onward. As the cloud descends and envelops them, I guess the moment of panic continues, even deepens, just like it does if you're climbing a mountain and a thick fog suddenly descends. But then comes the voice that calms the fear, a voice that is beyond the past or the future, a voice that really opens their eyes as to who Jesus is. Verse 7, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Tom Wright, commentating on this passage, says, these words confirm what was said at Jesus' baptism, assuring the terrified watchers that Jesus is indeed the Messiah and that his summons to follow must be obeyed. Now this isn't the kind of story that first century Jews would make up to express something of their faith. No, it's an account of one of those extraordinary moments of when a sudden and overpowering presence of the Lord changes someone, just like it had Moses and Elijah all those centuries before. And just as quickly as it happened, so it stops. The disciples look, and the only person with them is Jesus. And they climb down the mountain and carry on with their day. Well, that could be the next sentence, and it almost is, but not quite. Jesus tells them not to tell this story until after the Son of Man has risen from the dead. If we read on, we find that they do discuss the matter together, wondering what rising from the dead means. But that's something to unpack another day. One thing is certain, all four of them come down from the mountain, changed people. We've been climbing a mountain in these last months, haven't we? As we've dealt with our everyday situation in this pandemic, we have learned new ways of being. Technology has changed shopping behaviour for many. Lockdowns have prevented even the simplest of things like getting your hair cut. 
Messages on mobile phones have forced people to stay away from each other for set periods of time in case they have caught the virus and therefore might spread it further. People's mental and physical well-being have become issues of greater concern than perhaps for many years as life patterns have changed. For many churches, worship has gone online. People have not received communion for months or been in buildings together for corporate worship. In fact, they've found different things to do on Sundays and have moved their, moved their viewing of the Sunday service to another time in the week. Life has changed as we've climbed up the mountain and as we look to begin to be able to climb down, we are changed too. Our experience has changed us however much we might like to think it hasn't, just as every experience we go through does. This has got me to wondering about change. Peter wanted everything on the mountain to remain just as it was, but it couldn't. Many of us are uncomfortable with change. Take slippers as an example. We like the familiar comfiness of our slippers. New ones are not just the same. I haven't had any new slippers for a while, but when it came to buying some the last time I did, I wanted the same sort. I knew them. I knew how well they fit my feet. I knew they would be warm and cosy. I knew that I would like them and be pleased with them. I didn't want to have to lose all that coziness. But I couldn't find the same ones. I had to buy different ones. But who could have known that they would be even better? And at some point, I guess I'll have to do it all over again. We generally like things to stay as we have known them so we know where and how we fit. The mountain we have climbed called COVID-19 has, however, changed us all. And as we make the descent down the mountainside, we will remain changed. And the things that were comfy and familiar before might not be quite the same when we reach the bottom. We'll need to adapt old things for the new circumstances we'll find ourselves in. While together we create a new normal, making a good fit of new warmth that would be welcoming to all. It's not necessarily going to be straightforward, but hey, we've just climbed a mountain, haven't we? There is one thing that does remain the same, however. That is the possibility of personal encounter with Jesus and our need to listen to him. There's never been an easy time to be a Christian. The world shouts at us how silly and futile it is to believe in Jesus Never mind try to follow him and the way he calls us to live our lives. So many people today are walking around in the fog. It is as if the gospel is veiled, as Paul puts it in his verse 3. They never glimpse the path to follow or the beautiful views just waiting to be seen because they claim it's all wishful thinking based on lies and fear, greed and power. Paul challenges us, however, to share what we have seen, the Jesus we have encountered, especially as we've climbed this mountain. This is going to mean letting our experiences speak into our future, both personally and corporately. We've had to do things differently as we've climbed. Some things have been for the better. Let's take them with us into the future. Some things we've really missed. Let's find a new way of being that expresses their importance to us too. But most of all, as we climb down the mountain, like Peter, James and John did, let's listen to Jesus and follow where he leads. Why? So that we can be like Paul and display the glory of Christ in our life together. 
This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Amen.